And now it is time for We Are Just Christians, live from Savona Church in Port St. Lucie. Here are your hosts, Mike Schmidt and Gary Jones. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to We Are Just Christians. We're really happy that you tuned in today. Hope you can stay with us. We'll be on the air until 10 o'clock Eastern Time here on WPSL. As you just heard, my name is Mike Schmidt. With me is Gary Jones. How are you doing, Gary? I'm doing fine this morning, Mike. Is it, if I can just conquer these allergies. Yeah, it's a, I think you were mentioning the hurricane stirred up a bunch of stuff in the air, maybe, and it's got several people stopped up this morning, not feeling well, but we're glad that you're here with us. Uh, we're the elders of the Church of Christ here on Savona Boulevard, and we bring you this show each week to introduce and to talk about the subject of being just a Christian, being just a New Testament Christian, like they were in the first century. And so we not only talk about different uh, Bible principles, but we try to apply these principles to things we see going on around us in our own lives and in the and in the broader culture. So we talk about a little bit of everything on this show. <clears throat> but almost more importantly, it is a live call-in show. So we welcome your calls, comments, questions, whatever you may have on your mind, whether it's of a general nature or whether it's of a personal nature, something that's going on with you, we'd love to hear from you. And you can give us a call, 772-340-1590, 772-340-1590, whatever spiritual idea or topic is on your mind, we'd love to hear from you. And you don't have to be a Christian or a believer or anything like that to call in. We'd love it if you call in and say, well, I don't really agree with what you're saying, or I don't understand this or that, uh, disagree, I've had bad experiences in churches. Any of that is all on the table. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, we may not agree with you, but we'll promise to treat you with respect, and we'll give you the last word when you call in. So I hope you can stay on the line for a minute when you call. Maybe we need to ask a follow-up question, or if you've got several things you want to say, we'll give you the time to do that as much as possible. 772-340-1590 is the number. You can also reach this show um, or listen to this show uh, on not only on AM radio, but you can listen to it on, in several other ways. One of them is go to WPSL.com, click the Listen Live button there, WPSL.com. Anywhere in the world, you'll take, be taking to this show on Sunday mornings. You can also tune, use to the TuneIn radio app. You can tune in to the TuneIn radio app on your phone <laughs> or computer. You can use Alexa devices, ask for WPSL 1590 uh, or Google Chrome. That'll take you to this show live so you can tell your friends or family members somewhere else in the world or country. You can listen to the show that way. And from there, you should be able to call into the show because you'll be pretty much live. Might be a little delay, but won't be much. You can also get recordings of this show and of the sermons we do here at the church uh, in a searchable database, as it were, of topics and sermons at wearejustchristians.com. Wearejustchristians.com. There's a button there for the radio show, and it'll take you to the recordings we make of this radio show. Or if you prefer another way, go to Apple iTunes, uh, and uh, I think they, I don't know if they call it that now, the music store, whatever it is, it'll take you to this show by search typing in we are just christians it'll take you to this show the recordings that are there so you can listen to the show lots of ways we'd invite you to do that we love your feedback you can also text us if you want to text the show during the show we'll do our best to respond to those texts and um, you can do that at uh, 772-260-1590 <laughs> Six one two zero. Gary's laughing. We got two numbers. That's mine. Seven seven two two six zero six one two zero. Gary's is very similar. Seven seven two two six zero six two two zero. So feel free to text us not only during the show and we'll respond if we can, but you can also text us as some people do off hours during the week, anytime, and we'll respond and we can use your questions or comments may perhaps in a later show or just correspond with you. So there's a bunch of ways you can reach us uh, here at w at We Are Just Christians. And I know it takes a few minutes beginning of the show to do that, but I want to let any new listeners know how you can interact with the show. Now, I, uh, 
Gary, I got two or three things kind of piled up here. I don't know what importance they are, but two things came through, and I didn't discuss with this with you. Maybe I should have. This has been something that's been bugging me recently. And I don't know whether there is some kind of an algorithm that feeds these stories to the general public from time to time. But it seems like over the last two or three months, I've been noticing and hearing more and more about the subject of uh, Christians using drugs and kind of getting sort of positive reviews in some of these church websites and other things. And if a guy does post something negative about intoxication, he gets pushback on it. So, you know, we're living in the rock and roll sex, drugs, and rock and roll revolution. We're in the either the middle or toward the end of that sex, drugs, and rock and roll revolution that's happened to our culture. People want to know what happened to our culture? Well, go back into the 60s, and these people are going to have a revolution. Beatles sang about it. They weren't the originators of it, but they sang about the revolution. These people are now in charge of our culture, have been for a while, and their whole revolution against the establishment was based on sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And we could go into, I have a sermon of that title on our website. But in the event, the drugs part of it is intoxication. And that is not just recreate, not just the idea, oh, I just think I'll get some teenager thinking I'll get high this weekend. Is is this leading to the fact that they're thinking about this is how you get closer to God? Well, yeah, uh, that's that, exactly where I'm going with this, Gary. This is a religious it's kind of a religious movement. This is the way that or historically large numbers of people, even in pagan times, were getting closer to God. They viewed this as being spiritual. That's a spiritual person is one who can get high and will get high, reach another dimension. Or as Jim Morrison sang a brat about with the doors break on through to the other side. There's all kinds of elements of this historically long before our jet time all the way down to the present era. Even, even the American Indians used peyote, uh, their drugs. They find sources of drugs all over, even the Oracle of Delphi, apparently in Greece, that gave all this advice to all, all these Greek leaders and Greek people, was sitting in a cave that had gases in there that would get you high. Plus, they were also using intoxicating drugs. But it's just a culture. We live in a culture today because of this, Gary, based on intoxication. So which comes first? The desire for intoxication and to be high and to have fun, as we call it, which, which leads to spiritual decay and moral decay, which all, then people's lives begin to crumble, which leads them to have trouble, which leads them to actually soothe their troubles by doing what? Getting high. So it's a cycle. Or is it the fact that we're seeking God. We've abandoned all any kind of morality, traditional morality. We've abandoned the teachings of Scripture, and we have decided to make a go of it on our own, which has led to increasing unhappiness in society on various levels. And so in order to cope with that unhappiness, we have a fentanyl crisis. We have an intoxication crisis all across this country, and it's destroying young people, not only from marijuana on down to the harder stuff or the more dangerous stuff like fentanyl and propofol and other drugs that are the date rape drug, other things that are in out in society, cocaine, heroin, various kind of barbiturates, but it's left people empty. Part of that is the materialism of our American culture. We've been preached all of my lifetime that the way to be happy is to get famous or get rich. And if you can get rich and and or uh, uh, buy whatever you want, more of what you got, more of this, more of that, bigger, better, you'll be happy. Gary, we as Bible believers know that that isn't true. From the very beginning of Jesus' teaching, he told us that that kind of, that kind of pursuit of wealth is deceitful. 
and destructive. Solomon said that way before Christ, right? Well, that, well that's what I was thinking. I think that that idea has been around a lot longer, yeah, yeah. Than, a lot longer than just the 60s. Oh, the yeah, 60s. no, I'm talking, I'm talking about the manifestation of this in our culture. Yeah. But we have we have there's always been intoxicants around. But we now live in an age where these intoxicants are um, really. And here's the two things I had in my hand. Um, two, two articles on top of one another. Startling survey results on Christians and marijuana. Results of a new st- survey conducted by the Public Religion Research Institute show that 50% of Christians aged 18 to 29 said they favor or strongly favor legalizing recreational marijuana use. When you consider all Christians, though, 54% are against legalization, while 39% support. So when you kick in all the older people, you get a little bit more of a negative uh, thing. But uh, 45% of young Christian surveys said they had previously tried marijuana. It's probably a lot higher than that. Nearly two-thirds or 65% of all Americans who report that they have ever tried marijuana support legalizing marijuana and so forth. So there is this whole uh, move to uh, legalize marijuana. And it's been it's like 20 some states now uh, you can buy recreational marijuana in certain things. Now, look, marijuana may be more dangerous than alcohol. But since alcohol is so much more prevalent in our society, the overall negative effects of using alcohol are tremendously higher, probably, than what you can quantify from marijuana. But since we have an already have an intoxication problem with legal things like mar- like alcohol, are we going to add to it by legalizing marijuana? Now, you know, uh, well, my, my- up the whole subject about legalization, whether Christians can do whatever is legal. A lot of Christians have the idea if it's legal, I can do it. We're going to get into that in a moment, but go ahead. The, the, the thought I had is probably we don't know what the real effects of marijuana are because we, no. we haven't had the studies or the experience with it that we've had with alcohol. I, I think we're probably still finding uh, how much worse marijuana is than it was originally thought. I think I, I, I can probably can pull it up here real quick, but I think I, uh, I but that's said a few weeks ago that they're not, a new study is saying that about a third of all of the severe cases of mental illness and schizophrenia among young men is from alcohol is from marijuana use. Marijuana is not just about getting high and it's no big deal and goes away. Marijuana is a it's absorbed by the fat tissues of the body. The brain is primarily fat. And it absorbs into the brain and stays there. It doesn't go away. So it accumulates over time. Marijuana. So a person that's heavy or moderately using alcohol for a long period of time has permanent effects, essentially, in their body of marijuana use. And that can lead not not just to feeling sluggish or as getting stupid, as it's called. In uh, There's a song a few years ago that came out popularly on football games as Let's Get It Started, Gary. That's you probably don't know this. You're not a football fan. Let's get it started. Some rock band said, let's get it started. Let's get it started. I'm about a football game. The real song is let's get retarded. That's what the rap version <laughs> of the song is. Let's get retarded. And that means let's smoke marijuana because marijuana makes you stupid. That's their ver. That's not me as a preacher saying that. That's what the users are saying. It makes you stupid and makes you retarded. And I'm not using that as an insult. I'm quoting what other people are saying and so that's the effects that the people that use marijuana like about it long-term use it causes apparently from what we're seeing now mental illness of various sorts just like heavy alcohol use can do the same thing we wonder why we have a mental health crisis in our country ding 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 yeah the answer is the mental health crisis partly is happening because of the Heavy use of intoxicants of various kinds among Amer- the American people. And marijuana is not the only one. It's not the only one. I'm not. I'm not just condemning marijuana. I'm not. I'm not going to be one of these church people and say, well, you know, it's okay to have a, a bunch of few beers and get drunk once in a while, but boy, don't you use that marijuana? That's awful stuff. Now, see, that's the kind of hypocrisy that I grew up with in 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 a, as a young American, and it made me angry then. It makes me angry now. 
these same pious religious people that do all their drinking and they drink and they support it are the ones that want to condemn somebody for smoking a joint. Folks, they're pretty close to the same thing. As far as the Bible's concerned, they're intoxicants. And we are told over and over and over in the New Testament to be sober-minded and to be sober and not to be drunken with wine wherein is riot or excess and on and on and on it goes. Don't look on the wine when it's red and stay away from strong drink. We're told this over and over, over and over again. Now, I will distinguish, and if anybody wants to call in about this, uh, it's okay, but there may be some me- there are medical uses medical for uses drugs. for it that are legitimate. There are medical uses for cocaine, uh, and the Bible endorses the medical use of alcohol in First Timothy chapter five verse twenty three, where Paul tells Timothy, "Use a little wine for your stomach's sake, and you're often infirmities." They used wine back then as a medicine in moderate, tiny amounts because it would sterilize the water. It would help people get over uh, indigestion problems that came from Timothy here as a young man traveling with Paul. And when you start traveling, and then even today, you can have problems in your stomach, right? This is what Paul was talking about. So there is not a problem in the Bible with the medicinal use of drugs. But that doesn't mean that just because you have a prescription for it, that you're not abusing it for intoxication purposes. Each person better consider that carefully. You can you can use something that's legitimate, just like a person can have a prescription for oxycodone. I got a prescription for oxycodone when I had my back surgery. I could have abused that, found out how to get more, blah, 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 and got uh, or not. By the way, Gary, I read the other day that the number of people that take prescription oxycodone after surgeries and get addicted to it is like 1%. We got this big idea that as soon as you start taking oxycodone for a prescription, you're going to get hooked on. No, it's about one percent, something like that. Uh, surprising. I wonder what the uh, what the rate is for people who uh, begin to socially drink that become alcoholics. Do you have any? any, any I don't. Ha- I don't know that number. And the reason you don't know that number, and maybe it's out there, is because the kind of people that do the research on these things, Gary, belong to the high churches, where Drinking is sanctioned even among the so-called clergy, the Catholic Church, Episcopalians, uh, uh, Presbyterian. Drinking is sanctioned and fine, even hard drink among the clergy, much less the members of those denominations. They don't have any qualms about it, really, except what they would call drunkenness, per se. Well, I was was, the people that run these organizations to do this research. Well, I was told by someone that generally that I trust that. Basically, the odds of becoming an alcoholic from social drinking are about one in seven. I don't have any basis for that number other than I was told that. But yeah, I, not everybody I, who drinks socially is going to become an alcoholic. Right, but the odds are like one in seven. I mean, that's that's less than one in ten. That's that's like Russian roulette. It's just yeah. off of Russian roulette, right? Yeah, you got you, one in you, six. You spin, so. the, you spin the cylinder and pull the trigger. So that's a close to the odds of Russian roulette. Well, well, the uh, the illustration was was um, and, and he did he did a lot of traveling. Basically, he had to fly for the company he worked for. And so did I. He says, uh, if you were going to get on an airplane to go somewhere and somebody told you that there was a one in seven chance that, that airplane was going to crash and everybody yeah. was going to die, would you get on that airplane? <laughs> and so people have to be cautious. Now, here's the thing. We can have a long discussion on this show uh, about intoxication, about drinking, what the Bible says about it, and maybe we should. That's really not 100% my point this morning. It's part of my point. But what, what I would like people to think about is what is what are the motivations people have for living in a culture full of young wine mommies. You probably don't even know about this, Gary. This is a big thing in American culture among so-called housewives and conservative kind of traditional people is the wine mommy. She's the mommy who drops her kids off at daycare or school and comes home and has a glass of wine. She's the mommy before she picks them up, has another glass of wine. And then because she's living under so much stress, her life is just so stressful that she comes home, the kids... In the evening time at supper, she's going to have wine. And why? Before she goes to bed. 
This is the wine mommy. And and why is it that that's our approach? Does the Bible say that a person who is under quote unquote stress, and I got a whole thing I do believe about stress, but, uh, you know, uh, in any event, I'm skeptical of what we call stress as being anything but normal life for most people. But in any event, does the Bible say that solution to that is intoxication or partial intoxication? No, the Bible says if you're anxious, you need to pray, okay? You need to turn to the Lord and pray and receive the peace that passes understanding, not turn to intoxication of various sorts. So if you're drinking because you're under stress or you're upset, you need to reconsider as a Christian your approach to solving your problems. That's not the solution. That's not the that that course of action will never lead you in a direction that's going to actually give you peace. It's going to make all your problems worse. And if you're looking to if you're thinking that if I smoke marijuana or, or use these other drugs, I'm going to get closer to God. The Bible doesn't teach anything like that at all. The way you become come closer to God, I'll summarize it. Since Jesus is the word, literally capital W word in your text of your scriptures, and I know the capitals aren't there <laughs> by the translator, but that's what it means. That's why they capitalize it, because it is a, a name of his. He's the word, the logos. The word logos in Greek means rationality. So here is the God of rationality who speaks to man, not through not through dreams as such, but through words. And even the dreams that these patriarchs had were eventually expressed in words. He expresses to his will to man in the rational mind. We are to give our logical or reasonable service to him, Romans 12, 1. That God does, is not a God of intoxication. The gods of the pagans were gods of intoxication. And they they uh, would encourage people to get high. What, I mentioned it before, and although it's not explicitly in the text, when you read that story of Elijah and First Kings eighteen um, upon that upon Mount Carmel, and he challenges the gods of of the Israelites, the foreign gods, the the Baalim, the Baal, he challenges them to bring down fire from heaven to consume what's on the altar. They leapt about, they cried out, they danced, they cut themselves. They did all these things all morning long. I guarantee you, from what we know about that religion at that time, there was a lot of intoxication in that process. By smoking various things, by taking various drugs, and we even have samples of them, various drugs that they would take to get high, to worship their God. They were calling down their gods by getting high and leaping about and... How many Christians – Is it, you think it's an accident, Gary, that so many Christian worship services that you see resemble a rock concert? No. People I, go to smoke marijuana and get high and wave their arms in the air and get high and, and, and uh, lose their rational mind. Do you think it's a, a coincidence that that's the way it is? Well, music can do that to you to some degree, too. And the drugs and the music go together. So it's not a coincidence, but do, do you see in the New Testament this kind of worship assembly? No, it was one where they were called to read and to pray and to exhort and, exhort and encourage one another with their rational minds and words in a sober context. So all of this whole thing is pushing away from New Testament Christianity. Okay? It's going away from all of that, not toward it. This is not a path intoxication and, and, and drinking and marijuana that takes you to God. It takes you away from God. Part of the reason, Gary, is it takes you away from reading and learning his word and, and meditating on it. It takes you into your own feelings. Intoxication yeah. is about your own feelings. That's what you're noticing. And and that's not spirituality is no, what they're looking I, I, for. I'm, not a, I'm, not a, I'm ashamed. Of I've been intoxicated before, and I can tell you what you're thinking about. You're thinking about your own self, your own feelings. Well, I, that's what you're thinking about. I have never been intoxicated, Mike. Um, it shows in it a good does, way, it, okay, compared to me. But go ahead. It, it basically uh, the closest I ever got was uh, 
I think uh, way back before Sharon and I were Christians, we went to a Christmas party with some of our, and I think I had two shot glasses of some pretty strong stuff at that party. And I could begin to feel just a little bit of what was going on. I, I don't think I was intoxicated with two shot glasses, but it does affect you. It it, it does have an effect. Oh, sure, on you. just a little. Any amount of these drugs affect you. The question for each person is how much and to what degree and what way it affects you. But we all know, they know in the research that one drink affects people. It doesn't affect some people noticeably, other people it does. It's just a matter of partly the individual. But eventually it's going to affect you. And it particularly affects your your motor control and and in inhibition control. I thought you were going to say the only time you've been high is when you first met Sharon and laid eyes on her. <laughs> well, it depends. Define the kind of high. Okay. Yeah, right. I got you. Uh, anyway, I'm just giving you part. Well, for those for those out there that uh, basically are skeptical of the fact that as as little as two shot glasses can affect you. Uh, Generally, commercial pilots can't consume that much and expect to be able to fly safely. I don't know exactly what the regulations are, but I had a friend of mine when I was working there at Pratt. He was a pilot, and he claimed that he could have, you know, two or three strong drinks and go fly the airplane. But there was another guy that was a friend of his and says, no, you can't. And so they decided to test the idea. And basically, of course, he didn't drink when he flew, but he, he claimed he could. And so they went out and they decided to do that. So they went out one day and there was a little bit of a crosswind across the across the runway and they were flying a light plane. And any of you who fly know that's a little bit more difficult situation than if everything's lined up for you, but not not that much more difficult. And so they went out and they did two or three touch and goes and two or three full stop landings. And he came back and he got out the alcohol and they took two shot glasses. One guy took two shot glasses and both of them went up to fly again. Guess what, Mike? He couldn't land the airplane. His friend had to land the airplane. Well, I what, think two drinks for most adults is going to put you close to the legal limit. Yeah. Uh, it depends on how long you've had them before you try to. As far as that's as far as. Uh, but he couldn't land the airplane. It, it was it was a real convincer that he could not get it lined up and stay coordinated enough to land it. And his friend had to land it. If he hadn't been there. What's funny is that the people who are drinking will tell you, oh, no, I can do all these things. It's kind of like I used to hear this even when I was a teenager. Well, man, I'm a musician. And when I get when I smoke some grass, man, my my music is so much better. I'm so much better performer. I'm so much better at guitarist if I if I have if I'm a little bit high. Well, that's their subjective opinion in their own head. People listening, <laughs> unless they're high too, <laughs> don't really don't don't really have that opinion. And artistically, it's been it's been demonstrated. Well, I, w- I was the work of a sane person or a sober person is much better than the work of a person. I was looking for this verse while while you were looking at what I've been thumbing through because I, I can I can remember the Greek word, but I couldn't remember the English word for it, and so I had to find it. In the Greek lexicon, in uh, Galatians five, uh, Paul talks about things that are of the spirit and not of the spirit. He says, "For the flesh lusts after the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another." This is five seventeen. So that ye cannot do the things that you would, but if you be led by the spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, so on. He lists several. That word witchcraft is pharmakia. So we get pharmacy or drugs. Drugs. Why? Because those people using divination and practicing those arts back in ancient times were getting high using drugs to get high, to reach, quote unquote, the other side, to be spiritual, which is why a huge percentage. Of and Paul Americans, says that's not spiritual. Paul says that's of the flesh. That's of the flesh. So the idea that if you're taking drugs and you get high, you're a spiritual person is completely contradicted by Galatians chapter five. And the others, it's a being spiritual is about having a rational mind that can, quote unquote, in Ephesians five, 
understand what the will of the Lord is yes. by reading what he says and by by using the rational mind, not the irrational mind. King James uses that again in Revelation 18 and uh, in verse 23, and it's a condemned again. It's right. called sorceries there. Sorceries. So the um, and that's the idea of trying to trying to become spiritual by using intoxicants. The uh, in our generation, to, our time, I say that not just right now, but going back into our history. This Timothy Leary fellow in the 60s, a professor out of I think UCLA, Berkeley or somewhere out there, popularized the use of LSD and hallucinogens um, as a means of spiritual enlightenment going to become enlightened by doing this. And so they take these trips and so forth and and have these different experiences. It's interesting. And, it's and it's not, not that far off from from the Pentecostal movement where you work yourself into a psychotic fervor by repeating and chanting certain words over and over again until you, quote unquote, get the Holy Spirit and get to another plane. This is considered being spiritual in the Pentecostal movement. Go ahead, Gary. Uh, well, it's interesting that what he what he mentions this along with uh, in in uh, Galatians five nineteen. He says, "Now the works of the flesh are manifest." And he starts listing these things of which witchcraft is one, and he keeps going: envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. That's what he lists it with. That's it's just you know that's that's verses nineteen through twenty one in uh, Galatians 5, for those of you who are listening. We have a a text from Ray that says, I'm still bummed out over the loss of Jimmy Buffett on September 1st. Um, I don't know if you knew that Jimmy uh, Buffett died, Gary, but you probably don't know who Jimmy Buffett is. No, I I listened to him. Yeah, Uh, I listened to his songs. Yeah. you know, Jimmy Buffett. I wasn't familiar with what kind of person he was, but I didn't I think Jimmy Buffett was a bad person at all. I think he just liked to get high all the time. Um, from what I can tell, at least that's the person he put forward for him and, his, and the parrot heads. I mean, his song Margaritaville about Key West and that yeah. whole lifestyle is a classic song. And I say that in this sense, not because I endorse what's happening in the song but because like a lot of art whether i like it or not it it represents something that is true and real in this case in a real and uh, tangible way and also a humorous way you know this guy's uh, bummed out over his girlfriend leaving him and so he uh, you know stepped on a pop top and blew out his flip flop and you know he's <laughs> back on his way to getting another hit and uh, another taste of the rum this whole thing about margaritaville and the way people live down there in that culture is exactly on target my question for people is we may think it's funny okay i I got no problem with that except that is that really the way that we're supposed to live according to god is that to be our way of life it isn't well, and there's I, something sad about there's something very sad about that whole culture. Well, I, I'll it's go wasted. back. I'll go back to Galatians five again. What does he ended up? He lists all these things: idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, violence. He goes on envyings, murders, drunkenness, and such like. And then he finishes up that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. That's the last line. So, if you if you want to look at this, look at Galatians five. Verse 19 through 21. Well, there's a whole, um, I'll say if I can find it, this text made me uh, think about this. Um, but that word witchcraft is pharmakia. That's where we get drug use from. So here is, uh, let me see if I can do two things. Give me just a second, Gary. I'm going to do two things. I'm going to lay them side by side here for a second. I'm going to lay, I'm going to lay out, um, the, the words of Margaritaville and Psalm 23. And see, this is kind of, um, <laughs> <laughs> I know that sounds crazy, but just give me a second here to do this because I think, and I've, I looked it up before years ago, but I think that there is a, uh, 
think there's a real connection between these two things. Margaritaville and Psalm 23. Um, okay, hold on. I got them right here. So here is Psalm 23. Who has woe? This is verse 29, Proverbs 23, 29. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has contentions or fighting, you know? Who has complaints? Who has wounds without cause? In other words, he, he wakes up and he's got bruises and cuts and has no idea how they got there, okay? <laughs> who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? Those who linger long at the wine. Those who go in search of mixed wine. That's heavier drink. Those who do, but do not look on the wine when it's red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it swirls around smoothly. At the last, it bites like a serpent. It stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things. Your heart will utter perverse things. You get Some people just get perverse and wicked and nasty when they drink. Yes, you'll be like the one who lies down in the midst of the sea. People just walk off of ships, walk off of boats, and they drown when they're drinking. They do crazy things lying down the middle of the sea, like one who lies to the top of a mast, go up on the mast of a ship and lie down. And you fall, you know, you know, you get hurt. They have and they'll say they have struck me, but I was not hurt. They have beaten me, but I did not feel it. When shall I awake that I might seek another drink? When am I going to wake up so I can seek another drink? My dad told a story. Something happened in the early 40s to get in one of his first cars. I think it was 1944, Gary, and a big black thing there. He said he was driving down the road and a guy just walked, stepped right off the curb, right in front of him. And he hit the guy, bang. And he said the guy came down on the hood of that car with his chin and put a dent in the hood of the car with his chin. He said the man stood up, looked at me, laughed, and walked on across the street off away. He said there's nothing I could do about it. The guy's gone. He said he was so drunk that I hit him with a car. He dented the hood with his chin. It didn't hurt him. Do you think it hurt the next morning? It probably did. I think he wondered how he got it, and and here he's saying uh, this is this is saying they beat me, but I but I was not hurt <laughs> at the moment. He said, and what happens at the end of that? Well, they awake and they say, I want to have another drink. Who's up for a Who's up for a morning drink? So now then, let's go over to Margaritaville. Well, why why, why are you okay, doing why, why are you doing that? Uh, if if you follow Hollywood, you know there are. I don't I don't know what all these people are like, but Natalie Wood and uh, Robert Wagner were married for a while, but she drowned off of uh, one of the islands yeah, out there. Catalina Island. Catalina right. Island and probably involved a situation where they both admit, you know, he admitted that he was drunk and they said she was drunk, too. So the alcohol probably caused her to drown well, and, and him not to save her so well that yes and that's the reason that they uh, they think he he might have something to do with it but her blood alcohol level was so high that the yeah. coroner couldn't rule it a homicide without any other evidence yeah um and so this is just this is just rampant now here is uh nibbling on sponge cake watching the sun bake all of you parrot heads covered with oil and he goes strumming my six string string on my front porch swing smell those shrimp they're beginning to boil and it wasted away again in Margaritaville. That's being intoxicated, searching for my long lost shaker of salt. He can't even find his salt shaker. Some people claim there's a woman to blame. And I know it's somebody's fault. I don't know the reason I stayed here all season. Nothing to show but that brand new tattoo. Um, he, he talking about he's talking about the fact that he got a tattoo and he doesn't even know when he got it. Oh, when he got the tattoo, wasted away in Margaritaville, uh, old men in tank tops cruising the gift shops. And uh, he goes on. I blew up my flip flop, stepped on a pop top. I broke my leg twice, had to cut, limp on back home. But there's booze in the blender and soon it will render that frozen concoction that helps me hang on. Wasting away in Margaritaville. And, and of course, he says some people say they're woman to blame. And you say, I know it's my own fault. And then he goes on to say, uh, in the end, it's basically nobody's fault. And it, you can read the whole song. It's it's a funny song. It pictures the life of 
a drunk person with a broken heart who turns instead of turning to something solid and spiritual to soothe a broken. And there's a good chance he lost the girl because he was a parrot head because he was a drunk. There's a good reason he even lost her in the first place. Do you think that ever dawns on him? Maybe not until he's in the depths of drunkenness. And by the time he sobers up, he can't figure that out again, but it's a sad thing. And, and it's a sad way of living. And I just don't think from what I can read in the new Testament, not trying to just heap stuff on people. I don't think this is the right path to go down. And so young people in particular, if this is the way it, your life, if this is what you've been taught or what you think is the right way to approach sadness, sorrow, disappointment, uncertainty, insecurity in life, I think you're going down the wrong path entirely. I know the Bible says that. Look at this, Gary. A record number of adults are now using hallucinogens, a study finds. Trends are indicating that the, the use of hallucinogenic drugs is becoming more prevalent even among 35 to 50-year-olds. So this isn't just young people. And he goes and lists all these, not only marijuana use, but it's all of this uh, really stronger hallucinogenic drugs. And it's not limited to teens and young adults. Of course, it wouldn't surprise me because the whole older generation are a bunch of old hippies whose, whose whole life has been centered around sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And we're seeing the results of free sex has not been not produced happiness among women or men. It's produced broken homes, damaged children who are now adults. They can't form strong relationships because of the free love. We I read something again this morning that another study even finds that cohabiting before marriage uh, is definitely increases your chances by 50 percent or something like that of divorce. Living together before marriage does not create a stronger marriage. All the evidence shows that it creates a weakened prospect of you being able to have a strong marriage. Young people want to have a good, solid marriage in their life. They want to have some stability. They want a companion. But when they believe the modern lies about cohabitation, they damage the chances of that. Alcohol use, then, to cover up some of that disappointment, anxiety, drug use, hallucinogens, They'll never get you there at all. So I know this has been a little bit of a negative show, but I, I think there's a place in life for a warning, a definite warning. When I was young, I heard the warnings, didn't heed them at first, thankfully figured out fairly quickly, this is a bad choice in life, a bad way to go. It won't make me happy. And somehow, by the grace of God, got back on the right path and and tried to live a sober life. I guess I get frustrated, beat Gary. Of course, that's not the only thing that we have to worry about or that we have to guard against in life. Against, I'm, I'm going to go back to uh, Galatians 5 and 19 again. The works of the flesh are more than just drugs. Exactly. Oh, I'm, I'm not saying that at all. Yeah, I mean, the first the first two listed are adultery and fornication that Paul there, listed. There, that. There's the sex part of the sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Un I, can, I can get the other parts out of the same verses, but go yeah. ahead. He says, basically, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I mean, it's just, it's just there simply. It's, it's, you know, two, three verses. Well, I and mean, when you look at the, when you look at those words and the way they were used in that society, what the actual words were, and do a little bit of depth, in-depth study on them, you will see a reflection of most human societies that have abandoned the worship of Jehovah. You will all you will also see these sins. Now, I'm not saying this. You, you will see these sins among the people who claim to be Christians, as well as people who don't at all. But among Christians, this should certainly not be a lifestyle. And if it is, then it needs to be disciplined and corrected. 
and it's never going to produce any happiness to anybody. I don't care if you're a Christian or not a Christian, this, these lifestyles. So we need to think about these things. And oh, and you see, this is the sex, drugs, and rock and roll uh, thing right here, right before us. You see uh, another reflection of this, Gary, if I can find the verse quickly. I hadn't really intended to go well, there. Well, you're looking for it. I just wanted to make the contrast of what he says about in verse 22, which follows that. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And then this goes back to the world's definition of the Spirit is completely opposite, in my view, of what Basically, the Bible definition of the spirit is. Exactly. Now, when you look at these, um, this first survey, I'm not just talking about worldly people. This says that this st- st- survey about the 54% that favor the legalization of marijuana, the recreational use, that's among Christians. And 39% among all Christians suppose now. Uh, of course, they're using the word Christian in a way that I would not use. I'm used. That's the common usage. Anybody that claims to be a follower of Christ, but still, th- th- Paul says in Romans chapter 13, he says um, it's high time, verse 11, and do this, knowing this the time that it is now high time to awake out of sleep. You Christians are asleep. You're not paying attention. For now, our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. That's true for all of us. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. He says you were younger before you became a Christian. You lived in darkness. That time is gone. It's it's time to wake up. Time to live in the light. Put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day. Not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. Put on the put on, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. The Christian that 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 depends upon alcohol to help them solve their problems is making provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. They're not putting on the whole armor of God. They're not following Christ completely. And he says here, it's time to stop living in revelry and drunkenness and lewdness and strife and envy like the world does and wake up. So this, these Christians here that think it's a way to go is to legalize marijuana and everybody, everything will be fine. I guess that's another whole debate, Gary, about and something Christians should understand. And I, I, I almost embarrassed to say this. Are there people out there listening to us this morning who think that as long as it's legal, it must be moral? You don't believe that, do you? That if it's legal, it must be, be moral. No, the, but, but a lot of people do. I think. I think from watching them, hearing them talk, that if it's long as it's legal, then what's your objection? They'll say, "What are you objecting? It's perfectly legal to drink. Perfectly legal to smoke pot. Uh, especially down in Florida, it's legal to go get a prescription." And so. The Christian must understand it just because something's legal doesn't mean it's moral. And I guess there's been a time in my life, Gary, even the last 10 years, when I would have said, look, rather than giving all these young people some kind of a felony conviction that they're going to carry with them through life to hinder their jobs, maybe we should sort of decriminalize some of this marijuana possession and so forth, this experimentation and all those kind of things. Um but I don't think that's proven out to be the true. When you look at the states that have done this, like Colorado and other places, they're experiencing a huge increase in all kinds of intoxication and, and drug use now that they've legalized marijuana. And one, one of the surprising states is well, it hasn't worked out. One of the surprising states is Oklahoma, and I know some people there, and I know, and I've had individual experience with just exactly what legalizing marijuana has done in Oklahoma, and it's destroyed lives. And it's because this factor I'm talking about, once it becomes legal, you're sending a signal to huge numbers of people in society, whether they're Christians or not, that it's perfectly acceptable to do this. You're sending this signal. 
And that's what happened with alcohol after prohibition it became a signal was it's OK to use alcohol. Now, they've had to, there's had to be some pushback on this over the years, but it doesn't produce good results in society. Alcohol is a taboo subject to be talked about, but it's the number one problem that we have as far as intoxication and drug use by a long way. And and yet when you legalize more of these drugs, the people think it's OK, just live their life intoxicated. It puts a heavier burden on people that are sober and it destroys the lives of those who walk this direction. So don't be fooled by this idea that if we just legalize it, everybody will use it moderately and, and it won't be a problem. Look, none of the people that are selling this stuff, whether it's legal or not, have the incentive to limit your use of it. <laughs> They're no. not in the business of limiting your use of it. The other thing that's interesting to me, Gary, is, and I've talked about this a couple of times, I may preach on this soon, is that when you drive around this area here, I began to notice this a couple of years ago, you see, you will see if you pay attention that the marijuana dispensaries around this area and I think across the country have become centers of religious activity. They are spiritual, quote unquote, spiritual or religious businesses. How do I know this? Well, drive to US-1 and Midway Road. You have a marijuana dispensary there called The Sanctuary. You go down a little bit further, you've got one called True Leaf or The One Leaf. And you've got all of these revive, centers called Revives and Revitalize. These are all religious, spiritual ideas that they're putting forth to the population. That the place to find sanctuary is in marijuana, in The One Leaf. Instead of the one body of Christ, the one word, one God, we find it in the one leaf. And and I can that's just what comes off the top of my head. Well, if we, I really looked into it, you'd see it's much more prevalent than this. It's a religious, spiritual experience for people out there. Well, you and I have both talked about how powerful language is. Sure. And to use things that suggest things in language controls our thoughts and are makes us think in a certain way. And Paul says something in second Thessalonians, uh, uh, Second Corinthians, I think. Sorry, I'm, I'm. For some reason, my mind's not working this way. He says, basically, for the weapons of our warfare, and and anybody who believes that we're not in war, in a, in a, basically in a spiritual war, think again. He says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God, for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We generally don't think about bringing our thoughts into the obedience of Christ, but that's what we need to do first. Right. Um, you you got to start somewhere and you have to start with what you're thinking. And, and <laughs> what happens with, what happens with these drugs is it robs you of that ability to think. Well, it's a deliberate attempt not to think. It is a deliberate attempt on your part not to think. think. Okay, whether it's for revelry, he mentions revelries and partying. There, and I could go and analyze the words in First Peter four, which includes social drinking and drinking and partying, uh, uh, as far as what God condemns. These things are in a deliberate attempt to move away from that. Now, it's one thing to say, and I'm not trying to say that a person who uh, has any kind of alcoholic beverage at all is always committing a sin that isn't the purpose, especially if it's for medicinal uses. But I am strongly cautioning you, like the Bible does, that when you walk into this area that I'm going to fix my problems and make myself feel good by using intoxicants of various kinds, then you are walking down the wrong path. I mean, even to a lesser degree, although it's not condemned in the Bible as such, there are some people that use food as a way to calm their nerves and so forth. I think you have to be cautious about that. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, all things are lawful, but I will not be brought under the power of any. He says, I will not be brought under the power of anything that's going to take me away from Christ or limit my self-control, even though it may be lawful in somebody's mind. Now, we can debate the nature of that text. I think he's quoting the Corinthians by saying all things are lawful. It's okay, whatever you want to do. 
but he's telling them to be careful of things, whatever they may be, which enslave or empower them. Some people use pornography this way, Gary. They use pornography and masturbation this way to bring a comfort to their brain. It's their way of dealing with stress or anxiety or insecurity or boredom. And they use pornography this way. Is it healthy? No. It's a perversion of true sexuality. It's unhealthy for them physically and mentally. And it never produces what you think it's going to produce. There's an old saying uh, from old preachers. And when I was a kid, I used to kind of. I wouldn't say roll my eyes at these things, but I heard them a lot. So, I, you know, but they're so true. He said, I, if I could say it now off the top of my head, sin will take you places you never wanted to go. It will keep you there longer than you wanted to stay. And it will never get you what you want when you wanted to go there. Now, there's a, that I don't think that's the correct list. But I think of this oftentimes that sin will take you further than you wanted to go. And it will keep you and it will keep you in that place longer than you want to stay. And that is absolutely true of intoxicants of various forms, whether it or things that we use to comfort ourselves, whether it's sex, whether it's gambling, whether it's food, and especially whether it's intoxicating drugs. They have that effect on you. And if you're and the point of this show is that if you're not cautious about that, if you if you dismiss that idea, especially if you dismiss it out of some spiritual superiority that it could never happen to me, you are walking on dangerous ground. And I want to warn you, this is not the path the Bible would have uh, for our listeners and for me and you personally. It could happen to anybody. we got a few minutes left here. Gary, you want to? Well, I was, I was just going to say basically all these things that one of the things that we're saying, we're, we're doing that with all kinds of crime, not just with drug use or anything else. We're saying, okay, you know, don't, don't really, you know, don't really punish these people because they have reasons for their doing this. And, and this is just, this is knowledge that exalt this, this is, this is high arguments that exalt itself against the knowledge of God. Well, one of the, basically this is not this, the knowledge of God. This is going to be political. I'm lucky there's only a couple minutes left, so I can't get too much into it. It, it should be political, but it is in, in way people view things today. One the, the biggest, the big error the error I find in progressive and usually associated with the Democratic Party, not always, but with progressivism as a philosophy and as it's manifested itself in our in the last hundred years, is that it ignores the true nature of man. It does not accept the true nature of man as portrayed in the Bible. Therefore, since it's ignoring human nature, it can never really have a solution to human problems. And one of the things that progressive, for example, in California, they take this uh, limit of you, where you can get charged with a felony crime from $100 up to $900. Guess what happens to the amount of theft going on? Goes up. It goes huge numbers because human nature says if you don't get punished for it, then you're going to keep doing it. That's human nature. So progressivism continually ignores human nature. The Bible says man is a creature made in God's image. He has many good things, but he's also a creature that's prone to sin and is inclined to sin and wants his own way all the time. So the Constitution, for example, was written to limit men's power because human beings have a bad side. The Constitution was intended to limit the power of one man over another. Progressives want to ignore that because they don't believe in the boundaries of human nature, because they don't believe in a divine sovereign God in control of man, and therefore they don't have an answer. That's why I don't think they have an answer to these problems, because they don't accept human nature as it truly is and govern from that perspective. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't. Same thing is true with alcohol, but go ahead. Yeah, but it, but it doesn't, it doesn't provide the, what I will call the environment that, corrects those natures in man in other words it essentially lets them go and yeah, expand you have, a, you have a complete disregard or misunderstanding of the nature of, of human beings you can't possibly truly govern them or have a plan for them because you're going to ignore everything that's bad or good uh, in this matter well our time is gone yeah today. we're we're, we're, we're out, out of time out of time and i do want to take the time at the end of the show to thank you for listening i really appreciate you listening to the show hope you'll tell your friends about it We'd like to invite you to come and be with us here at the Church of Christ on Savona Boulevard. Uh, 
2196 Southwest Savona Boulevard, 2196 Southwest Savona here in Port St. Lucie. We meet at 10 o'clock this morning for a Bible study. We'll start till about 1010. We meet at 11 o'clock for worship, communion, uh, and preaching. We meet at 730 on Wednesday night with Bible classes for all ages, Bible class this morning. We invite you and your children to come. And, and all those Bible classes are now available on YouTube and and. Right. You can get them on our YouTube channel. So thanks for listening very much. We really appreciate it. May God bless you until next week. You've been listening to We're Just Christians live from Savona Church in Port St. Lucie. 